This message is brought to you on behalf of the CD ministry of Rancho Baptist Church in Temecula, California. Our senior pastor, Matt Chia, is celebrating our missionaries by devoting this morning's message to them and encouraging us to be partakers in their ministry to others. It's always a pleasure to have our missionary to the Navigators and also our old youth pastor, Jason Barbieri, come and share with us the gospel today and to give us a message from Matthew 28, Great Commission. Let's join Jason now as we find out our God is mighty to save. Here's Jason. Well, RBC, I am officially weirded out. <laughs> to be here this morning is so cool and so fun. Weirded out in a good way. Uh, I cannot even believe it. First, that I would ever be. Um, I never pictured I would be the speaker of a missions emphasis Sunday at any church growing up. This is really weird in that sense. But just even know that there are so many um, solid missionaries that are even here this morning, the Wallaces and Calpins, and, um, to know that, that uh, I've been asked is an exciting honor, and it's just exciting, first of all, just to be here, too. Um, being at RBC is such a refreshing thing for us. Every time we come back, it's uh, literally like we're, we're coming home. Um, we, Paul, the Apostle Paul talks about in, in 1 Thess 2.9 um, that you know, he, they were so, he was so excited to bring to the Thessalonians not only the gospel, but to share, their, share the gospel, but their lives as well, because he, they had become so dear to him. And I just, that's, that's what we feel with RBC, It's just, we look out and see so many dear faces, and it's just such an incredible, encouraging thing. Um, I had many more things that I wanted to gush about, but uh, Matt told me I only have like 25 minutes this morning, so um, it's his fault that I can't love on you more. Um, but uh, if you guys don't mind, I'm just going to pray, and we'll... Uh, We'll get into it here. Heavenly Father, you know how inadequate I feel right now. Um, You know how weak I I feel in in trying to bring a message that will um, ignite a heart for the nations. Um, And yet, Lord, I know that your word says that it's like a a hammer that breaks a rock. Um, that, That your word is like a fire. And uh, so, Lord, I just pray that this morning you would unleash your word through me. Um, Lord, love RBC through your word and love it through my, my message this morning. Um, may it strengthen and encourage us. Uh, God, be glorified this morning. We love you and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I want to start with a question. Do I have any people in the, in the, uh, in the place here today that are fans of a good spy movie or a spy book? Spy novel, I guess they call them. Some good ones out there, right? Where, Jim, what's one of your favorites? Okay, Born Identity, right? There's Bond, right? Uh, Bond movies. There's, the, there's plenty out there. One of my personal favorites, though, I've always been kind of partial to Mission Impossible, right? Uh, now, I know, I know the recent movies. I know there's a generation out there that remembers a TV show, right? That was, that was good, and the, and the, the guy... Uh, uh, Ethan Hunt was actually kind of a gray-haired guy, right? Is that true? Am I totally off? Maybe. That, that was his, that was, but his character was Ethan Hunt, right? Okay, see? I'm way off. Clearly, I don't know that show, okay? But I know the movies. And one of the things that I know about the movies is that they really did a good job of taking the old and bringing it back into the new, right? Um, I mean, think about what's cool about Mission Impossible. You got the cool gadgets, you know, you got the, the crazy action scenes, the scene in the movie where he's hanging suspended 
by those cables. That's just crazy cool, right? And you've got these like great disguises, these masks they have that are so lifelike. Um, there's even the theme song, which I don't know who wrote it, but it's probably got to go down in history as one of the coolest like TV movie theme songs. I mean, everyone knows it, right? Dom, bom, 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 right? You know, and da da you know, you got that. I mean, that's just unmistakable. Everyone knows that song. It's great. Um, but one of my favorite parts about Mission Impossible, one of the things that I just think is the coolest is, and they, they brought this from the old into the new as well, is the way in which the guy gets the mission, right? The way in which he gets it. You know, there's, there's, you know what I'm talking about? There's this always, you know, main character. It's usually Ethan Hunt or somebody like that. And he's sitting somewhere public, like an airplane, you know, and then this stewardess just happens to amble up and, She'll ask some random question, you know, like, sir, would you like a, a, ma- a magazine? You know, and, and then they get into this, like, really cool, coded, really random conversation that, that's like, you know, yes, I hear the latest issue of Popular Mechanics is quite good. And <laughs> she'll say, yes, I'd recommend the article on turbine engines and the effect it has on the migratory patterns of Arctic seagulls. <laughs> and then they exchange this knowing glance, you know, with each other and... She hands him the magazine, walks away, and, and then, you know, he flips it open, and in this magazine is, is like this secret TV camera or, you know, screen or something, and he, that's how he gets briefed about the mission, right? Some guy starts talking, like, maps and pictures start flying in, you know, and, and then for the next two to three minutes, Ethan Hunt gets this laundry list full of reasons why he's nuts to try to take on this mission, Right? Uh, it's going to be a ridiculously hard place that you can't get into, and there's going to be a, a brilliant, insanely wealthy, evil genius that you've got to take down. Um, he's protected by like 80,000 guys with guns. You have like two and a half minutes to pull this whole thing off. Blah, 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 right? And then, to cap it off, there's always this creepy bit of encouragement um, that they get. If you or any member of your team is captured or killed, IMF and the U.S. government will disavow all knowledge of your existence. That's, that's great. Thanks. That's, that's very helpful, right? And then the scene ends with, you know, the very classic, cool, this message will self-destruct thing. That's just great. Um, and then we're given the opportunity to study Ethan Hunt's face. And as an audience, we're on the edge of our seats, right? And we're asking, will he do it? Will he, will he take on this mission? Is there a chance he'll back down? No, that's not what we're asking, right? Of course he's going to take it. He's Ethan Hunt, right? The man knows, he's not scared. He will always take on the mission. I mean, really, if you think about it, what are they going to do? Make a movie in which he gets the mission and then, like, <laughs> listens to it and then goes, yeah, not so much, you know? And, and then spends the next, we spend the next hour and a half watching him on, like, a Hawaiian vacation. You know, he's water skiing, you know, or something. That's not going to happen. There's no way. This is Ethan Hunt. And the man knows no fear, right? He has literally zero concern for the obstacles before him. You name the mission, he's there, right? Now, why do I bring this up? Well, I've been doing some thinking, obviously, about our mission as a church as I've been uh, preparing for this message. And I've been thinking about our great commission, Um as was given by the Lord Jesus to the, to the first batch of disciples um, at the end of the Gospel of Matthew. And friends, to me, the, the, the differences between serving the IMF and serving the living God are striking. Um, there's, the, of course, the obvious one that 
rather than being called to fly in helicopters and take down terrorists, um, the church is called to a mission that's much, much more grand, right? That's, that's more weighty. It's more glorious. It's, it's more significant and profound. Um, and it's a mission in which eternity literally hangs in the balance, right? But there are other significant contrasts as well that maybe are a little more hidden. For one thing, um, I don't think that we get anywhere in the Great Commission that I'm aware of anyway, an out clause, right? And Mission Impossible, it's always your mission, should you, should you choose to accept it, is blah, 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 right? Christ just lays it out there. Um, he didn't say your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to go and make disciples. The mission is to be taken on by every single one of us. Any individual who professes faith in Christ is called to be a part of this mission. Now, that's not where I'm planning to go this morning and talk about, um, but it's a point we, we dare not miss um, and is worthy of, of significant thought. Um, this is a call to all, right? Um, but significantly for me today, the other major difference that I see um, going on in regards to this whole thing is the issue of fear. For a while, the, the concept of an Ethan Hunt-type dude uh, is fun to fantasize about, make movies about. Uh, I've never actually met the guy. Um, if he's out there, he's a rare breed. What I have seen and what I have come across is believer after believer who, though he knows what his orders are in Christ, is in a constant battle with fears, both big and small, uh, which nag and pull and strip away his courage and his willingness to, to, to just really get after it and to go full throttle with his life and, and being a bearer of, of the good news of this gospel. Friends, fear is such a major obstacle for uh, it's such a major thing for us to overcome in the fulfillment of the Great Commission. And, and I'm becoming more and more convinced that it drives us much more. It drives much more of what we don't do and what we do than I think we realize. There are some of you here today who are not stepping out and sharing your faith in the places that you call home and in, in your workplace in your school. Um, you're not, though you've been given opportunities, though you have opportunities, you're not sharing. And it's because you're scared, right? You're worried about what they'll think. You're worried about being the oddball. There are some of you who are ashamed of the gospel, even though you know Romans 1 says not to be, that it's the power of salvation for all who believe. You, you worry that, what if, what if I, uh, you know, I tell this to someone and they accept it and then their, lives falls apart. their life falls apart. Then what are they going to do? What are they, how are they going to look at me at that point? There's some of us who are not holding ourselves open to the Lord to call you into full-time service, to missions, to go out into the field. Um, because you're afraid. You're afraid of that being too extreme, right? You're afraid of that being just a little too out there. And what if it happens and your life is not as comfortable as it is here. We fear things like that, right? Some of you are fearful of the fact that though God is tapping your heart to 
he's speaking clearly to start increasing your, your salary, the amount of your salary that you could give to his work, to missions. You're holding back. You're, you're refusing because you're scared. How's that? Where's that money going to come from? Where is that going to come from? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know verses about the Lord owns a cattle on a thousand hills, but really? What if, I, what if I give that money and suddenly I can't pay my bills? How do I... There's a fear there that the Lord really won't be the provider he says he is. Now, friends, I, say, I speak about this with passion and, and sincerity this morning because, number one, it's true. <laughs> but, number two, it's because I'm right there with you. Right? I know exactly where you are because I'm there, too. I'm a citizen of Fearville, USA. Right? And if you're feeling me here this morning, if, if what I'm saying is striking you, then I want you to do something, okay? I want you to take a deep breath, let it out, right? And I want you to turn to the person next to you and say, yeah, I have fears, okay? Go ahead, do it. You can do it. Admit it. It's okay. Get it out there, okay? Get it out there. We have fears. It's, it's a recognizable thing, Okay? Now, what I want you to do, though, is I want you to know that my goal for this morning is not for us to get run down, but to look at the situation honestly and to be encouraged. I want to encourage you this morning. I don't want to run you down. I don't want to smack you on the back of the head and say, get, get with it, right? What I want to do is show you from the Word of God something really encouraging to me, something that, that I've taken lately and just been so excited about. Um, literally within this, this Matthew 28 verse, this, this passage in Matthew 28. Um, because what I want to have you do is flip there. Matthew 28 verse 18. And what I'd like for us to do this morning is, is maybe you've read this before, but to recognize that the backdrop for this verse is actually a backdrop of fear, I think. I'm becoming more and more convinced that, that the backdrop for this verse is, is a backdrop of fear, of, of uncertainty. You, you don't think that there was fear and uncertainty and doubt and anxiety in the apostles at this time, at the end of this gospel. Their lives had been literally flipped upside down in these last few weeks as this all occurred. They, they'd been tossed more than a, than a poodle and a cement mixer, right? They had, been, they had been gone the highest of highs, the lowest of lows, lows. Jesus is here. Things are going great. We're getting excited. But wait, now he's dead, right? Oh, my goodness. Now they want to kill us, too. We got to hide. Then all of a sudden, wait a minute. Now there's, he's alive? What? Reports of this, and, and, and yet at the same time, doubt, worry. What if, that's, what if it's false? What if they stole his body? You know? Then all of a sudden, more reports, and, and then Jesus appears to them, right? And he's alive, he's risen, right? But then there's still this, wait, what's going on? What, what are you doing, Jesus? Why are you talking like you're leaving, right? I love that, that verse in Acts 1 8, where they, they or in the beginning of Acts, when they say, Lord, are you going to at this time restore the, the kingdom? And you can almost just read like this please? You know, kind of at the end. Like, seriously, can, you, can, we, can we do that? We're, I don't get this. I'm, you, you can just tell there's anxiety there. They don't know what's going on, and they are scared, right? And it's in that context that I want us to see 
this thing. See this verse. Um, I think the Great Commission was given to fearful men just like us. And I think that's why we need to get our noses in this verse and we need to study it because what I want you to see and maybe this will be some of you for the very first time seeing it is that there are, amazing t- there are two amazing truths that bookend the commission, right? Two significant things that are said on both sides that I think literally can make the difference in the way we view the Great Commission and the level of fear we walk into it with. Um, so look at me with this. Uh, look, look with me here, Matthew 28. Um, the typical verse, right, is 19. When you ask someone, and in fact, I, I, I did some research this week with my students. I said, guys, tell me the Great Commission. And all of them, go therefore and make disciples. I said, okay, what's the verse before it say? What is 18? They doubted. And, no, he, you know, they, they had no clue, right? No one could tell me what 18 says. Think about it for yourself. Maybe you could have rattled it off. Maybe you couldn't, though. Maybe when someone asks you, what's, what's a Great Commission? You always start at 19. Right? But think about the thing that's, that's, that hit me here was 19. It says, go, therefore. Right? And what is that therefore supposed to tell us to do? Come on. Ask what it's there for. Right? That's the, the classic line. So what is it there for? What does it tell us to do? Look at what's said right before. Right? Look at what's said in 18. And what is said in 18. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. This is Jesus talking here. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now, I've got to be honest. At first, I was like, that's what it's, that's the therefore? I've got to be honest. This, this isn't usually what drives my, my reasoning for the Great Commission. Typically, it's what? Things like the lost and the state of the lost drive the Great Commission for me, Right? The fact that, that my neighbors are going to hell and, and that there's this mass of people out there that are unreached, those kind of things. The concern for, for Joe Lost out there. Therefore, I go and make disciples, right? But that's not what Jesus says. That's not what his reasoning is. I find that very interesting and very profound, and it made me wonder, what is being said here in verse 18? That Jesus would say this above all things. All authority has been given to me in heaven. <coughs> What does that mean? So I went and digged, digged a little bit. Dug, dig, dug, I don't know, whatever I did. Um, the idea would be, the, the first word there, all. Anyone know what that means in the Greek, what that word means in the... It means all. Very good, Brad. Nice work. It does. It means all, right? It means total, complete. There's not a lot of hiddenness there, right? It means literally every conceivable thing that could be thrown into this is there. All authority. Right? Now, this word authority that's spoken here, is the, in the Greek, it's the word exousia. I don't know if that's pronounced right. If there's a Greek professor here who says that's wrong, then come rebuke me afterwards. But for now, we'll go with exousia. And it's a great word. It means authority. And, and, and it means, well, here's, here's the question that I would have for you. Right? You could look at this and think authority. Right? And what could go through your head is, so is this what this is saying is, for Jesus He had the authority, meaning what that breaks down to is he had the legal right to tell the disciples, go make disciples, right? He was like, it's kind of like we would say, 
legally speaking, right? Or when there's a dispute here, you know, what trumps it all? Well, the, we get a law involved, right? We get a lawyer, we get a judge legally, you know, speaking that, that there's this rightship involved, right? That's one way of looking at this. There's another way that's, that's when we speak of authority, we're talking about strength, power, right? Like we would say the basketball player for USC slam dunked with authority over the, the player of UCLA, right? Sorry, Matt. Uh, right? But we, 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 talk, we use it in those terms as authority, strength, power, right? The, the, the girth, the, the might to pull it off, right? Now, let me ask you, talk, talk with your, your neighbor for just a sec. Which one is it here? Is it this idea of, of I, Jesus having the, the right, or is it might, strength? Which one? Talk for just a sec. You have 10 seconds. Decide. Okay, which one did you get? Nice, it's both, right? It's both. It's both these things. It's Jesus showing, I have both the right and the might, right? For, for right, the idea would be, everything that, that I am, and everything that I have come to be, and everything that I have fulfilled, gives me this right, this authority, to, to send you out, Right? I, I am in charge here based on what I've done. What did he do? Well, flip to Philippians 2.9 really quick, if you want. If you don't want to, just listen, that's fine. But Philippians 2.9. Jay, turn your Bible. All right. If you look at, actually, a little bit before that, Paul is talking about Jesus Christ, and he says... Uh, being emptied, taking the form of a bondservant, and being made in the likeness of men, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and become, by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And verse 9 says, therefore, right, or on the basis of Jesus doing that, also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name. Right? So because of what he did, he was given a name that was the highest authority, a name that is above every name, right? So you have this idea of Jesus saying, I, I'm in charge, and this is, this is what I'm laying out for you. Go and do it, right? There's no, there's no real claim that we can make against that. He is the authority. He is the, the one in charge, and he's calling us to something, right? So there's that aspect. There's also this aspect of might. Flip a couple verses back to Ephesians chapter uh, 1, the very end of Ephesians 1. And I think this, these set of verses speak to the idea of, of might, the might involved in, in authority here. Um, Ephesians 1, we'll just start at, uh, kind of jumping right in the middle of the passage, but 19 says, the surpassing greatness of, of his power, God's power towards us who believe. These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might. Okay, see this, which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule, all authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under subjection under his feet and gave him as head over all things, Right? That's some force right there, people. That's some strength. That is, that is power. You, you want to know, get, you want, you'd want to know this guy. 
right? He's the one who's getting, getting things done. He is the one who has power here, right? This idea of everything being under subjection under his feet, everything being above, uh, he's above it all, stronger than it all, above it, great, great above, right? So you've got this idea that Christ has the right and the might to proclaim this great commission. I, I love this idea of might. You know, I, don't th- I think the question that I have some, all the time for me is, Jason, how big is your God? How big is he? The songs we sang this morning are so great. Is he mighty to save? Is he actually able to carry out what he called? Uh, when I was, when I was um, probably like 10, 11 years old, my sister started dating this guy. Um, and it came pretty serious. She was in college. And so one time, uh, he came and visited us for like a week in Dallas. I was living in Dallas at the time. At that time, my friends and I, we were big into street football, right? Now, Matt, this guy was just the jock of jocks. You know, he was like 6'2", just thick, beefy, totally athletic, the stud of studs, you know. And, and I remember he wanted, one day he wanted to come out and play football with us. And he did, and, you know, he joined in, and it was like, all oh, my friends loved Matt. They loved it that he was so good and so athletic. And, and then I remember the next day we had another game. We were going out in the street. And I, I was on the, the losing team. We were losing. I don't know how bad. But all of a sudden, here comes my brother-in-law out from the house. And he's like, hey, guys, can I play? And it was like, oh, yes, right? And, and we're losing, so we get him, right? We're losing. That's the way it always works in street football. Whoever loses, the losing team gets the, the good guy, right? And so we got Matt. And, dude, it was like we went from being the kids we were to the San Francisco 49ers with Joe Montana as our quarterback, right? All of a sudden, Matt was calling out plays, and we would break into the huddle, and it was like, yeah, what are we doing now, right? How, many time, how fast do you want to score this time? I mean, it was sweet, right? There was no question like, the winning team was the team that Matt was on, right? And I feel like that's exactly the point here, is that by Christ saying, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. It was like this. Guys, this, we're about to win, okay? What, what I'm telling you is going to happen because of who I am, okay? What I'm about to say. Now, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them all that I have commanded right? There's no question. It's just this idea of, I'm strong. I will help you carry this out. Church history is, a, is just one example after another of this idea playing out, right? Right at the beginning, you have the idea of God taking the enemy's best and brightest, Saul, and flipping him. All of a sudden, he's on our team, right? All of a sudden, we got Paul now, right? We took your best guy, and he's on our team. Who can do that? Oh, God can, right? <laughs> God can take, it doesn't, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, you, sure, you can complain, but it happened, right? All the way through, you, you see that no matter whether it was persecution or the, the, the entire Roman Empire becoming Christian, the church grows, gangbusters, grows, grows, grows. You see in church history throughout the ages, this, this place called America pops up. It's, whether you want to, you know, argue it or not, if not a Christian nation founded on Christian principles, right? And this, this nation becomes not only just a power in the world, but a powerful sending agent to, to blanket this world with missionaries, right? We see, we see God using this nation to just pop off missionaries into all the world. And, and America becomes, for the last hundred years, a, a, a pretty dynamic force in missions, right? Now, you could say, yeah, but what's happening now, right? We're a post-Christian nation, aren't we? Isn't that what we hear? And yeah, it's possible. You know, it's possible that, that we're seeing that in Europe and 
and America, there's, there's the possibility that, that we're dwindling. But guess what? God is at work in the world. Yeah, we may be seeing a decline here, but there is, there is amazing things going on. I was listening to a missionary um, in our church back in Tucson sharing about, he's a missionary to Bangladesh. And he was talking about 15-year-old kids who are planting churches there in a Muslim community. He, he made the statement that more Muslims are coming to Christ now than have been, been coming to Christ throughout all the mission, missions work to, to Muslims. I, I was like, what? I couldn't believe that, but, but there's other places that back this up. Um, this is a great book, and, and he speaks about this, this guy, Philip Jenkins, who writes the book, The Next Christendom, and he's speaking about the fact that if you want to visualize now what's God, what God is doing, the typical contemporary Christian, um, if you want to visualize the typical contemporary Christian, we should think of a woman living in a village in Nigeria or in a Brazilian favela. The era of Western Christianity has passed within our lifetimes, and the day of Southern Christianity is dawning. The vital centers of, centers of Christianity today are no longer Geneva, Rome, Paris, or London. They are Buenos Aires, Manila, Kanasha, and Addis Ababa. He has some other stats that are just amazing. He says, a century ago, less than 10% of Africa was Christian. Today, it's nearly 50%. That's an increase of, from 10 million people in 1900 to more than 350 million today. And he says, despite the limitations in China imposed by the Chinese government, it is estimated that there are now 100 million Christians in China who are worshiping in underground evangelical and Catholic churches. At current rates, David Aikman observes in his book, Jesus in Beijing, China will, in a few decades, become the largest Christian country in the world. Can you believe that? Folks, is God winning? Is, is he mighty? Absolutely, right? Now, that's sweet in and of itself, right? Pop, pop that into the Great Commission and boom, let's go, right? But we also have this awesome promise on the back end, right? What does verse 20 say? Lo, I am with you always, to the very end of the age. So not only do we have this God in charge, but then he tells us, yeah, I'm, I'm the one who has the right and the might to pull this off. And by the way, I'm going to be with you every step you go. Men of God throughout the Bible drew so much strength from the nearness of God, Right? Joshua, at the beginning of the book of Joshua, you see God over and over again saying, be strong and courageous. Why? Because I'm with you. Right? The book of Jehoshaphat, or, or the, the book of 2 Chronicles, the king Jehoshaphat, right? Has, there's a sweet story in there, 2 Chronicles 20. Um, of, of, it's just neat. It's this little awesome story tucked away amongst a bunch of sad ones, right? But Jehoshaphat has this massive army coming on him, and the thing that, that leads him out with basically a marching band against this massive army is the fact that God told him, I'll be with you. I will fight this fight for you. Right? It's no wonder we, we read in Psalms that the, the Lord is at my right hand. Because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Right? Psalm 16. And Psalm 73, the nearness of God is my good. Right? Friends, we have a God who promises to be strong and to be an authority. And then he promises that he will be with us no matter where we go, no matter who we talk to. This gives me amazing new capacity, and this gives me amazing new boldness. And I think it does the same thing for you if you really let it soak in and you really start to dwell in the bookend promises around Matthew 18. If you really start to think, this is true. 
And I think it should propel us, friends, to, to not be scared about talking with our neighbors, to recognize that there are some that he has his finger on right now. And our job is not to, to try to convert them to a system. It's to simply go to, go to work assisting, minorly assisting God in what he is already going to work in major ways and doing. Right? And it should, it should propel us into boldness, into talking with our, our people, knowing the promises here. And it should propel us to want to go out in the mission field. It should propel us as parents to say, yeah, I want to send my kids. I, want, I would love it if my kids would go on a mission. I, yeah, since being a father, one of the things that only recently have I had the courage to start praying is, God, will you give Mandy and I the courage to give Madeline and give Maribel to you and to, to, to do whatever you want with them? Lord, will you give me the, the courage, even start building in, that, in me now, the courage to, to let them go? That, that if they get called, if you call them to go somewhere dangerous, if you call them to go to the Middle East, if you call them to go somewhere scary, that I would prefer to grab them and hold them and keep them tight. Lord, would you give me the strength to let them go and to recognize there's no safer place than with you and doing your will. Matt said we're going to, to Utah, and, and there are days where I'm scared to death of the idea. And I, I think I'm, I'm freaked out about what's going to happen, but there are also days where when I take this in, I get so pumped because I know that there are people there who God has his hand on. And I'm not going just to fill some great commission because it's great, you know, and, and, and that alone is great. But, that, but I'm going with these promises along with the commission that, that God is mighty, that he has a right, that he's the authority over this whole world, over heaven and earth, and he's with me every second. There's so much more I could say, but I need to, I need to cut it off. Um, my prayer is that, is that you will spend more time uh, thinking this through and asking the Lord, what does this mean for me? How do I apply this to this great commission on this Sunday when we're talking about taking the gospel to the nations? How do, how do you want me to, to think through these things? So let me pray for us. Father, uh, Lord, you, you are amazing. Uh, Lord, I, I, I pray that, that we would take this, what we've heard this morning, chew on it, that we would be men and women of your commission, that we would be men and women who take these, these promises and let them propel us into the Great Commission, into the world, into making disciples for your glory. Um, God, just use this, take us, and, and do what you will with us. We love you so much. We pray this in Jesus. Hey, if you've been blessed in any way by today's broadcast, we'd love to hear from you. Why don't you drop us a line at www. RanchoBaptistChurch.org and you can email any one of the staff members that are there or you can even call us at area code 951-676-2911 We just pray that you've been touched today and we pray that God blesses you in your walk with Him. Have a great day in the Lord.